welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lanil. And this week we're going to talk about the creamy center of the outsider. Mm, nom, nom, nom. Mm. <laughs> Episodes five and six uh-huh. called Tear Drinker and The One About the Yiddish Vampire. So those are different titles. Uh, before we get into these two fairly plot-light episodes. But really... A lot of things happen. Yeah. But we're pretty much in the same place we well, were. Well, we, we'll get into yes, it. But we before we get into it, how was your week? Uh, my week actually went very well. How was yours? <laughs> it was very good. It was a it was a nice little short week uh-huh. coming off the coming yes. off the holiday, uh, where every day seems terrible, but also there was one less of them. So right. yay. That that's actually the most accurate way of putting it. I'm glad that you were able to phrase it in a way that I simply hemmed and hawed my way through. <laughs> no, you didn't. Nobody heard that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so are you ready to just dive I'm, into I'm these ready episodes? To dive in. All right, because there is oddly it's light on plot, but not light on incident. A lot. Oh, no, that's true. My my synopsis is, is, is very long here, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna try not to take too long to recap these things. First episode. The Tear Drinker. Nope, just Tear Drinker. And uh, first aired February twenty or February second, twenty twenty, and was directed by a man by the name of Igor Martinovich, who was the cinematographer on the night of. Oh, okay. And director of. This one episode and a TV series that isn't out yet. So <laughs> this was his warm-up. Well, I've written episodes of a television show that I don't know will ever be picked up. Uh-huh. So there's always, well, I did a lot of work on this, but no one... Uh, it's in post-production. It says right. 2021. Who knows what that really yes. means these days. Yeah, that's true. So... This show is now relying a little too heavily on the cold open some days earlier. Mm-hmm. Back to the beginning. It's do it's done it like three times now. Right. And I You don't like I that. am over the trope. I am over it. I don't dislike it. Uh-huh. But like once a season's good. Hey nine one one and also nine one one Austin, I'm looking at you. Because <laughs> well, they do it almost every episode. Seeing J.J. Abrams try it on Alias, right? Um, that was, and then you saw it a lot on Lost, which is where the hell are we and how do we get here? And um, yes, we have to do. We have to start everything in media right. res, well, except gonna, we don't because we're in, already in the story. If we're in episode mm-hmm. seven of a thing, right. we're in media res. We don't need to be in media res in media res. What they used to call television pacing, um, although it doesn't make any sense anymore to use it because it originally was designed to get somebody before the first uh, commercial. So if you watch an old TV show, right. like, for instance, oh, they used to do a lot with Outer Limits. You can still see them when it's on Amazon. Uh, there'll be a minute-long clip from some dramatic part of the program, and then you go to the credits. And that's how they did it. They didn't write, no, there wasn't a title on the screen saying, you know, 24 hours earlier, this man was not being eaten by a giant snail. Um, but you were sort of thrown into the middle of that. 
So yeah, it's completely overused now. I I appreciate how well written this show is, but it relies very heavily on that. I wonder why they're setting, and it's not even a particularly exciting intro this time. It's somebody pretty much making a bed and and putting stuff on it. You're going, okay, what does that have to do with anything? And then, of course, later on, oh, this is why the person made a bed. It's almost like Downton Abbey. Yeah. And in this one, the police call out to a dude to put out his gun. Then he proceeds to not put down his gun and gunshots fire. And then he's got a red rash. And then we're going to find out who this person is. Right. Who, when I started, I thought it was a white man. Mm-hmm. It was not a white man. Because you're truly colorblind. N- no, deeply <laughs> not. Don't even like the term. Uh, except in relation to, I don't know, you are actual. actually <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I don't uh, see color. No, I thought, I was like, well, that's not Jack. Uh-huh. I don't, I think that's a red herring. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see the body being so vastly different from Jack's as to like, right. oh, it's a totally different race. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, and I kind of want to rewatch the beginning because I'm like, was I just so focused on the fact that I'd seen that on Jack before that right. I just presumed this was a white man laying there because it very clearly is a black man later when we see it again, and yeah. I'm like, I don't even remember this being. I don't know. It's weird. So three days earlier. Doodly, doodly, doodly. We go back in time. Doodly, doodly, doodly. Uh, we see the, the house. Presumably this is Heath's mother's house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got child killer spray painted on the outside of it. And we see Tracy sitting inside. Uh, he is smoking. Uh, and then he takes out a military uniform and lays it on the bed. And we're like, who this? What's... I bet he has something to do with Heath Hofstadter because that's the only other black person we've seen. Out in the woods, Jack has a little tete-a-tete with his controller because um, his controller is like, "Uh, I don't like this lamp. And Jack is like, "Uh, fuck you. But also, what do you want me to do because I don't want to be on your bad side? He's really... He's such a... Okay, so Jack is an asshole. Jack Hoskins is an asshole. Also, I feel very bad for him in his current predicament. I think that, yeah, the actor has done a really good job of making you feel some sort of sympathy for a person who is not sympathetic at all. He, he doesn't he, start at all as a sympathetic person. Right. Um, the, the interesting thing, I think, in his portrayal is the things that he's being tasked to do, mm-hmm. I don't think are things that he is morally opposed to doing. Right. He's morally opposed to being forced to do them. Yeah. That's what it is. But I don't know what this actor's been through, but he is able to touch something, like he is able to portray a pain in his eyes mm-hmm. that is deep and profound in right. a way where you're just like, oh, right, but he's still like a person. And yeah. this sucks. It was. There are really good acting choices in this series, and he is one of the best of them, frankly. Yeah. Is the fact that he is making you. Because we have had a Renfield character 
in horror all the time. We've had that. That's yes. That's so we're trope. referring to the uh, him as a Renfield character. I referred to him as like the Igor, but that's right. not even right, really. Although I guess yeah, it can be. It kind of is. It's the assistant to the either the doctor, the mad doctor, the assistant to the vampire. To the vampire. And the reason why I bring up Renfield is that he's a good example of how not all these people are voluntary. Right. And we don't really get that side of the story. Right. You know, we get Renfield as a normal person very briefly, and then we get him as a person eating flies and spiders. Right. So the jump for how he became that person, we don't really get a lot of information typically in horror movies. Mm -hmm. And so this is very interesting because now we're exploring this guy and why he he's gonna be he's going to betray them at some point. He's going to poison the well. Well, he's, he's, he's trying to get in, so he, he can't even do that from where he's right. at. It's almost like this entity picked him to do a job that he is ill-equipped for. So now he has to do this job that he's ill-equipped mm-hmm. for against his will. And I wonder if it was picked or he was just the guy who showed up at the damn barn. I mean, the, that's the thing. And drunk. So like, is that There's almost that no way... To know, yes, right. he showed up by himself and pissed on a crime scene. So, fuck that guy, yeah. right? Like, on one hand, fuck that guy. But on the other hand, like, he needed an in. Or does he just need legs to walk around and well, yeah, he so happens to have this in? Was so he chosen or was it just, like, random yeah. that he got this guy? But, um... But yeah, I guess we'll find more of that later on. Yes. And there's a lot of red herrings in this episode, mm-hmm. generally. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, hoodie-wearing individuals who are not the hoodie-wearing individuals that you think that they might mm-hmm. be. Uh, Jeannie sees someone as- uh, that looks asleep in their waiting room, mm-hmm. and it's just a dude right. that is asleep. Tamika and her missing baby also. Yes. Which was, a, to me, having been, like, well, having been a father, I'm still a father, I just don't have an infant, um, that is creepy as hell, the the notion that somebody took your baby. Yeah. We know Holly's headed back. She's going to give them the rundown. She's also mm-hmm. running her ideas past various people, including Andy, who's my favorite character in this whole thing. And a bartender. And a bartender, a hot bartender. I'm like, is she trying to hang up with this bartender, too? It's possible that... You can never tell with Holly. Holly is bi. It's entirely probable. Possible. Probable. Who knows? Um, But she does a whole thing about, like, okay, you're a grief eater. What what else? And then she'll say a term, and she's, like, too literal, like, more poetic. Right. And that's where tear drinker comes from. She goes, okay, I like that. Like, that's that's the the path that I'm on. That covers everything. Um. You know, who was going to get you when you... Like, who was your boogeyman? Mm-hmm. Because every culture has a boogeyman. Right. Uh, later, Eunice talks about what he was given. His Greek mm-hmm. history. Um, there's a Yiddish... In the next episode, the Yiddish vampire is that... Like, I think it's Alec Pelly's version of it, where he's like, I mean, I don't... I'm not on board, but I'm not 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 on board. So um. there's a lot of that in the second episode um, uh, that we watched too, where there's a lot of conversation about how far are you willing to take what she's saying as the truth. Right. Jack um, keeps tabs on Howard's office building, but we're not sure exactly what 
we don't know what his uh, instructions really are. Like mm-hmm. he's been bringing lamps and shit into the woods and and deer, <laughs> lamps and deer. Yes, that's probably a food source. Ralph Howard and everybody else come out of their office where they were having a meeting, and it's it's clear that they don't, they still don't know what the goo in the barn was. Right. They they still know not semen, biological in nature. Question mark? Question mark? Not question saliva, mark. probably. They're, yeah. they're because they were looking for that too. I right. Think. Being that he um, happens to eat people. Right. Uh, so Ralph is getting some of the names that that Holly is tracking down. So Terry Maitland ran into Heath Hofstetter. Heath Hofstetter ran into Maria, I've forgotten her last name, uh, in New York a, mm-hmm. a month prior. She's now in prison for killing a little boy, Luis. Uh, Ralph is reviewing some of these case files, but isn't like, he's like, I see the connections that you're drawing, but I need more information. And Holly is not about giving him her un, (sighs) like her unformed thoughts and doesn't want to do it over the phone. That's the other thing. I think she wants to do this in person, even though she definitely doesn't want to do it in person because she also really deeply doesn't think that anybody's going to believe her. Um, which I think is probably extremely triggering for her as somebody who grew up poked and prodded by doctors who didn't know what was quote unquote wrong with her. I have a feeling that a bunch of adults staring at her in disbelief or calling her a liar or a psycho is not right. No, no, her right. idea of a fucking good right. time, right? Like, seems bad. Uh, we have some flashbacks of Ralph and Jeannie um, because Jeannie's having trouble sleeping. And so there are these flashbacks of him, like she said, she comes home and she's got a headache. She says she's going to lie down, go ahead and order, or would you order some food? I can't cook tonight. Right. And come in and let me know when the food is ordered. And then we see what turns out to be a flashback where he goes in and says the food's here, but he is drunk. She won't get out of bed. And it turns out it's a couple of years prior, just post the death of their son. Now, this episode, too, we kind of understand why. So in the book, it turns out their son is not dead. I don't know if they had a son at all, but they are not in this this grief place okay. in the in the book. But in the movie, because or in the series, we're we're giving grief from all areas, right? Like this thing that is feeding on grief, this entity is able to get it from literally every single character yeah. in the in the uh in the in the what is Cherokee I think city. It's a very good development though, because it adds more depth to their relationship. It does. And it also lends some uh weight to the way that he prosecutes this character in the beginning. You yeah. know, as a parent, as a parent of a dead kid, as a parent of a dead kid who this person who he suspected briefly was a pederast, uh coached yeah it's like it that lends a lot more to that to the, the development of that husband and wife because they really are the center of the story yes it turns so out we have to are. give them a, enough depth to anchor them yes and probably in in 
to the families that he's working out with. Mm-hmm. You know, not to say that, you know, you're you're not going to be empathetic to the families of people of, of uh, who lose children if you haven't lost your own yeah. child. That's a fairly short empathetic leap that humans have to make. Like I can imagine how terrible that would be, and so I can treat you with you know empathy, but. He's got like that real, like that th- that connection that he had with Holly. With I, I don't understand how your parents let them let yeah. the doctors do that to you for ostensibly for no reason. You were healthy, right? You were just you, and they wanted to cure you, and that's like what what the f. Uh, so yeah, Holly is uh, drinking at the bar, talking to Sky, the bartender. Uh, boogie, what was your boogeyman? And Sky's like, it was the bab- babulus, babulus. Holly says the words grief eater and says, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And Sky says, tear drinker. And uh, then Holly's like, well, where would you go if you were a tear drinker? And the cemetery. The Which cemetery. is actually a really good place to start out. And then Sky starts being like, is this like hypothetical or like what's, what is this conversation that we're having? And Holly says, I gave you $200 to drive me around because her car died. Right. Uh, back at the Peach Crease, the most disturbing mm-hmm. named uh, location of all time, uh, Claude is uh, remembering the night that Terry came in and looking at his hand that we think Terry scratched. But we right. still don't know. We don't know what definitively we don't know what happened with that yet. Ginny gets up in the night and gets some water and hears somebody moving and she thinks that it's Ralph, but nobody responds, at which time a figure in a hoodie steps out. Ginny drops her water glass and the figure says, um, tells Ginny to sit down, she does, and then she says, then it tells her, tell Ralph to stop or both of you will die. And then... We see Ralph waking up Jeannie, who is in bed. Mm-hmm. She's cut herself on the glass that she right. dropped. And she's like, oh, I must have been walking in my sleep. Like, I don't I don't know. I don't know. When he goes and gets something for her feet, he's asking her about it. And she's like, I don't, I don't know. But also, uh, you should drop the investigation. <laughs> uh, I don't know what happened, but also you should stop. And um, something really bad's going to happen if uh, they don't, if he doesn't. And Ralph's like, um, children are dead. Right. So something bad already happened. You can't stop it at this point. And Holly, well, and I won't spoil her, uh, her um, presentation, but she does make the very good point that if somebody is... Warning you off the investigations because you're doing something right. Right. Yeah. If you're being warned off. Right. You're doing something right. You're doing something right. Right. Exactly. So Holly goes to the Hofstadter house, takes photos uh, of the outside with child killer on the thing. So then we're right. like, hey, we saw that earlier in the room. It's all coming around because previously on. And then she finds uh, it all boarded up. She goes inside, she takes pictures of everything, and then finds Tracy's closet. Um, we don't know his name is Tracy yet, I don't think. I don't think. Uh, Jeannie tries to tell Ralph that somebody was in the house the other night before, and he looks and doesn't see any indentation on the carpet, 
And it's like, it was a dream, it was a nightmare, it was a dream, which is a, it's almost a callback to when Jeannie was talking to Glory about nightmares and how they would tell Derek that he was having a nightmare and it wasn't real. And that didn't work. And you had to let them talk it out. You have to believe them, they'll talk it out, and then I'll understand that it wasn't real. But Ralph goes full... You're talking nonsense, Jamie, yeah. which is not... Don't well, do that. defending his, um, his world, which is rapidly taking new shapes. Yeah. And um, he says, you know, you still sleepwalk. I think you're looking for Derek. Um, and this is just a nightmare, and you're a hysterical lady, mm. and careful or I'll put you in an institution. He doesn't, doesn't say, say that, but that's what it feels like. It's like the... Right. The crazy, crazy woman thing. And it's like, you see her. She's got her shit together. So uh, that's it, it's aggravating to me that Ralph would treat her that way. Um, Holly and Skye drive out to the cemetery nearest the Hofstetter house, and she finds the graves of the sisters. Um, their mother's grave is nearby, and... Holly is like, I think that this thing wants to take the whole family. Like, right. if, as much of a family as it can get, it will it will take. And she takes photos with the houses close by, and then we see Jeannie sitting at the kitchen table drawing mush face in a hoodie. This is a photo, that, or this is a drawing that will come back later. Uh, then Holly and Sky drive to another cemetery where the Hofstetters are buried and sees, uh, sees a factory nearby that's abandoned and she takes photos of it and sends all of the photos to Ralph and says, hey, could you go take pictures around where Terry is buried? Right. And she'll say, it might not be important, but it might be important. And Ralph is like, you have to give me something. And Holly's like, humor me, bye, click. <laughs> Because <laughs> she doesn't she's want to. She's very abrupt with her everything. phone calls, I noticed. Yeah. And then she goes, well, she's very abrupt generally. And then she notices a man kneeling over Heath's grave and she go- takes a picture of him and then goes over and offers her condolences. Uh, this is Tracy. Mm-hmm. And she asks, you know, can I ask how you knew him? And he says that he fucked over Heath good and, and, that he fucked over Heath Good and fucked him over as well, and then he walks off, ignoring Holly. Right. And we don't know who the he is, the quote he is. Um, Jeannie and Ralph go to urgent care, because she's all cut up. And Ralph is going to go out to the cemetery. Um And he doesn't know why he's doing it, but he is doing it. And Jeannie is like, tell Glory that you're going to do that um, because she's not going to want to hear that you had done it. Right. <laughs> she wants, She's going to want to hear that you are doing it. Uh, and he, uh, she's like, well, I'll let him... I'll let her know then. Like I, I, Jeannie is all about including glory in all of the aspects, which 
I get why she's doing that, but I think at some point it's going to do more harm than good. Maybe well, next episode, right. I think. Um, and she also gives him the sketch that she made, and Ralph looks at it and recognizes it. Oops, but we will come back to that later. And uh, then he calls Eunice, asks him to check Claude's fingerprints against everything they have on Terry's homicide because he's what he's this he thinks that Terry scratched him he, and he doesn't know what that means but he does mm. think that it happens and um also says send me a mugshot of Claude poor Claude later they all meet together and Eunice and Ralph drive out to the cemetery um Eunice is like fingerprints don't match don't know what it what it was all that about uh, Ralph is like, look at this weird drawing my wife did. Probably a bad dream. And Eunice was like, my great-grandma had a dream. And she had a dream about one of her sons dying in the war before she got the news. And that's how she knew that her son died the day before her son died. And dreams are messages. <laughs> so she's like, he's literally like, could have been a dream. Also, doesn't matter. Good. <laughs> the uh, result is the same. Like... A, we've been talking about, I've been saying it a lot, a psychosomatic reaction. It doesn't matter if my cramps are caused by a, a depletion of salt mm -hmm. or a psychosomatic reaction. The, the, the effect is the same. <laughs> the, the leg cramp is happening. Whether it's a mental or a physical cause, it doesn't change the fact that that's what's happening. <laughs> so Eunice is like, you should listen. Also, we're still, we're, they're still off duty, right? Ralph is still yeah. on administrative leave or whatever they say about cops who are getting paid but not working, but he's still working. So a good job if you can get it. Uh, and then they arrive at the cemetery. Gloria and Jeannie are already there. Um, Glory is complaining because the temporary stone hasn't been placed for Terry yet. And, uh, Jeannie finds a, pay, uh, like a wooden post that's been defaced and, um, hides it from Glory. Doesn't say, oh, it's over. So here's the temporary thing. She just is like, nope, nope, nope. It's not over here. Don't know. <laughs> And they're taking photos of the area, and Eunice looks out over the tree line, and the the barn where they had found Terry's clothes is within eyesight of right. this and cemetery, which is a yeah. an a mile out of town, right, or a, a, a an hour out of town rather, because we know that it was an hour out to the to the barn, so yeah. that's how far out of town she would have gone to get a cemetery that wasn't going to be defaced or, you know, to find a, a plot that she hoped wasn't going to be defaced because she couldn't have put her husband's plot in the yeah. town. That's not, and certainly not in the same cemetery where the child he was accused yeah, of yeah, killing. It's just not, there's no winning for her there. Uh, we've got a christening party, which is a, a good time for adults and a, an okay time for a baby who doesn't know what's happening. Who not remember or doesn't care. <laughs> yes. And uh, Ralph and Jeannie and Jack are all there. Uh, Jack's drinking ginger ale. Says that he's taking a break from booze. 
Um, Ralph asked Jack if he saw anything in the barn that anybody might have missed. Jack's like, this isn't your fucking job. Like, you're not even working. Yeah. Get off my nuts. I'm the one working on this case. I don't need to report anything to you. And then uh, Jack refuses to hold the baby. And Tamika doesn't like that. And she and Jack goes to leave and Tamika follows him outside. And like, she's like, you're being more of a fucking asshole than usual. What the right. fuck is wrong with you? And Jack goes from, I don't want to do it because I didn't want to. I don't want to hurt him and I might be coming down with something too. I'm fit as a fiddle. And there's nothing wrong with me. Right. And he's, she's like, you literally just said you were coming down with something. Like, what the fuck is going on? And then he says, back off for your own sake. And then he gets in his truck and drives away. So mad. Uh, let's see. Holly calls Ralph. And it's pretty vague. She's not surprised that the barn was close to Terry's grave. She says that Terry and Heath never went near the children they were accused of murdering. Um, and she's like, I, I need to tell you guys what I, what I'm thinking in person. And he's like, cool, you need to then come here and do that because this is gone on long enough. Like we need something from you. Sorry, I have paint on my glasses. Okay. Um, that night, we we see Holly watching a horror movie in her bed, and Andy calls from the bar downstairs and says, do you want to come get a drink? And she's like, come to my room. It has a bar. And he's like, yep. <laughs> and he does. And... Um, they go over some of the things that she's been... Uh, uh, like done right. Keith's house and uh, talking about remorse like the uh, some of these behaviors are remorseful and some are not and then I think he goes to kiss her, and she says, I'm nervous about my big meeting. And he says, oh, okay, I'm sorry, I'll go. And she goes, no, 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 can we just lay down for a little while? And then they they lay down for a little while as adults. <laughs> Next. <laughs> then we see Tamika in her house, and she hears something moving. And she gets up, draws her gun, and goes to investigate and finds a creature standing over her baby's crib. And she watches as the intruder picks up her baby. Now she's got her gun in her hand and doesn't do anything about this. And then we see that she Which was Which it turns out is a good idea. Yes, right. No, that you could shoot the baby. Don't shoot the baby. Also the fact that when she actually wakes up and the baby isn't in the crib, she runs out to her porch and that's her husband, I guess. Her husband, Roger, yeah, sitting on the porch. And so, it's, yeah, had she gone out. Yeah, so then she in. wakes up in a cold sweat. Wants to find her baby to make sure he's okay. Mm -hmm. He isn't there. So right. then we have a second panic. And then, but he is outside on the, on the porch swing in Georgia because of course he is. Uh, and then we see Holly gently kissing Mr. Andy. And then she leaves for Cherokee City. I think she gets on a bus. Bus. She gets on the bus because that, that's important later. Bad things happen. That's right. Because her car is, it Damn, died. It just right. died. And died on the road, which sucks. Uh, 
Jack goes back to Ralph's house and basically is like very contrite. So I'm sorry I snapped at you. I've been under a lot of pressure, this, that, and the other. I want to help with this investigation that you're doing. And Ralph is like, I mean, right now, Terry Maitland case is closed, right? They just closed that fucking case. They were like, he did it. We're done. We're not. So they're just a bunch of concerned citizens, basically, right? Right. And uh, then Ralph is like, all right, so I'd ask you if there was anything weird at the barn. Do too. And um, we see Andy waking up, and Holly left him a, a cute little note, which is nice. And then we see where we started. Tracy, the young man who knew Heath somehow, mm-hmm. uh, it turns out it was his cousin, is sitting in a running car and takes a gun out of the glove compartment. He gets out and approaches a nearby truck that he's been watching. He grabs the driver, shoves him to the ground, and holds the gun to his head. And and then Tracy realizes that this is not the person that he was supposed to be targeting. The driver asks what he wants. Um, oh, no, this is where Holly is driving. She comes to a traffic jam caused by the police dealing with to, Terry. Yeah. Or uh, with, uh, not with Terry, with um, Tracy. And the train is crossing the tracks, and it's a whole situation. And as she's waiting, her car <laughs> just dies. And as they all start going, she just can't. And I'm like, oh, that's the fucking worst. Uh, uh, Andy is dressing and leaving uh, Holly's room. And she he finds Holly's list of timetables of the murders. So, like... Maria to Luis on this date, and then Maria to Heath, Heath to Terry on this date, the the murder dates. So he takes that with him because he's also a detective. Hey, guys, remember, he was also a detective. Now he's a security guard, but he used to be a detective. Uh, we see the police surrounding Terry, telling him to put the gun down. The driver wants Terry. If he shoots him, the police will shoot him. And then after a moment, Tracy drops down, tries to fire at a SWAT officer, and they open fire on him. And then we see Andy investigating on the computer, and we see Holly getting in the tow truck. Uh, And then the police confirm that Tracy's revolver was unloaded. Mm-hmm. So they figure that he was a suicide by cop, uh, and then there's those blisters on his, the back, back of, his, of neck. his neck, which let us know that he is was a victim of, of yes the of this yes El Coco. Then we see Ralph uh, sitting in Derek's room. He lies down and tries to sleep, and he has a dream about Derek coming in and telling him to look at him. And when he does, Derek tells him that he needs to let him go. And that is how the episode ends. So how did you feel about that? Because that was a lot of... There's, that gets a lot of play a lot in of the next episode. In this episode. And then yeah. there's a lot of sort of, you know, the pitch in the next one. Yes. I, yes, that's right. Yeah, this is a lot of... 
well, what if it's this? And what if it's this? And what mm-hmm. if it's this? And the next episode is, it's this. And a bunch of people going, no, it isn't. <laughs> but maybe, though, it is. Well, Holly is, is actually tracking down the only logical solution, and it's very illogical, is yes. the problem. So it doesn't really She's even appeal to the, her. She's got the Sherlock right. Holmes. When you... Eliminate the impossible. the impossible. Whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I memorized that one. <laughs> yeah. Big fan. So that's mm-hmm. what Holly's going on. But she also knows... Ralph made it pretty clear that he's not he's not into it. He won't be into it. Right. <laughs> um, but she... There's not another explanation so yes so the next one is where we it all kind of comes to a head mm-hmm. and uh julianne nichols gets a very like a heart-rending scene uh where she screams at them um well i think that that's the reason why i asked at the time yesterday when we were watching it if cynthia Rebo was more of a stage actress or a film actress, because she's doing a really good job. Well, I think you had asked me singer or actress. Right. And I was like, she's a stage actress, which often requires the voice, which she definitely has. But actress. She's an actress. This... this She's not a Jennifer Hudson. The scene that she has to do in here, in, in the episode we're talking about, the one about the Irish vampire. Yes. Sounds like it should be an episode of Friends. It, yes. Um, she has to... I thought about the pressure on an actor for a scene like this, where you have to stand in a room and say something absolutely absurd with all the gravity you can muster and yep. put a lot of emotional context behind it. Yep. And also the fact and that... And in this case, yeah. you're getting pushback. But it's also, not like just like in a Marvel movie where you're mm-hmm. just saying... Uh, bananas shit, but everybody's on board with you. Right. <laughs> well, it's you also have a room full of people of really good actors. Yes, there's no weak spots in this bunch. Um, having to interact with you, and you're looking at them in the eye, and doing this scene, and having to stay inside of this reality, and with a Marvel movie or a Godzilla film, there's a giant atomic powered dinosaur, and he's coming to San Francisco. All right, what do we do next? That's the kind of thing that you can do there. This film takes place in what's our reality. Nobody wants to believe that Coco exists. Uh, no one wants to believe that this, you know, in its well, yeah. Other and than, but let's let's get into right. it, and we can talk about it when we get up to it. So it's it starts in the bus station, as we said. She's going to the bus because her little green car died. So she is watching the news where they're talking about Tracy's death. She calls Andy and she says, I saw him at Heath's gravesite two days ago. Can you look into it? Like, how they were connected. And then he says he's been thinking about Holly all day. And she's like, thank you. And then hangs up on him. (laughs) So cute. And then she gets on the bus. She's looking at photos. uh, Including the photo of the back of Tracy's head as he was sitting over the grave, and sees the blistering. So now she knows that this is a thing. Nobody else knows that. 
the bus is going down the highway. Andy texts Holly that Keith and Tracy or Heath and Tracy were cousins, uh-huh. and then she loses Wi-Fi, and so she turns off her laptop and then goes back to sleep. Uh, Ralph looks at the young man, the young car thief Merlin, and Janie's sketches. Janie's sketches of the figure, which are almost identical, mm-hmm. identical that they have drawn. Then Jeannie comes out in the morning at like 5 a.m. and Ralph is still up and he's like, go back to bed. And she's like, well, I'm up now. And then, well, I'll go make coffee. And she sees the Merlin sketch. And Ralph is like, oh, it's just a scared kid that do that. And she's Mm -hmm. like, it's the same thing I wrote. What we're seeing now is that Ralph is aware of what's going on and he's backing away from it. Yep. Yeah. He does not want to be a part of yep. this. Um, it doesn't appeal to his, you know, very logically laid out concept of the world. Yeah. Uh, and then we see Holly wake up and go to the bathroom on the bus, but Tracy is back there. His face is all shut up, and he grabs her, turns her towards the front of the bus, and tell her, tells her to look, and she sees a semi, a semi mm-hmm. across the, the highway, and she yells, stop. Uh, but unfortunately... Uh, she is doing that in real life. She has sleepwalked or whatever up to the front of the bus and is yelling stop at the bus driver who uh, steers the bus into the the guardrail and like... There's a lot of damage to that bus. Yeah. It's full of sparks. It's torn up the side of it. I I don't even know how they're going to get the luggage out, frankly. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it's not I feel really bad for the bus driver who just... Yeah. And yeah. then she's like, I, I must have had a nightmare. And they didn't leave her on the side of the road, which is good. But yeah, right. I could have seen that happen. And then they continue along. Uh, Jack wakes up and feels for the blisters on his neck. Um, but they are not there. Is it because he's done good? He has pleased his masters? Master? Uh, we'll find out. Uh, back at the kitchen... Jeannie's like, uh, I saw the same person. I saw the same person as Merlin. And Ralph is like, no. And then Jeannie basically invites herself and Glory to this meeting with Holly. She's like, and you should have Tamika come and Jack and literally everybody. She's turning into a picnic. Literally everybody. Well, I don't think that's what's happening. I think she wants... If Ralph is going to be obstinately against something that she 100% believes, she right. has to put herself there. The involving of Glory, I think she's doing it on behalf of a wife and mother, or like as a wife and mother, but I think it's misguided. It's misguided because it's, well, we'll find And out. Ralph kind yeah. of knows. I'd kind of really like to know what she's going to say before we say anything to right. Glory. And it turns out Ralph's right. Ralph is right about that. 100%. Ralph goes to his shrink. It's still not going super well. He's still in denial about all of the things. Uh, And he says uh, he saw Derek in what he says was a dream. Back on the bus, Holly gets a call from Andy. He says uh, that they found the Williams sisters' fingerprints in Tracy's car. Tracy dated the older sister, and Andy suggests that Tracy was an accomplice in their deaths. 
because Tracy is the accomplice uh, piece of the puzzle, right? Like Jack right. is the accomplice piece of the puzzle. Uh, Ralph gets home, sees the sketches of the figure taped to the wall, including the new ones that Jeannie made from Jess's description. So Jess had described, looks like her dad, kind of looks like he's... Jess, so <laughs> Jeannie, in, in inviting Glory to this meeting, also says, hey... I wouldn't ask, but I think it's important. Basically, can I do a, a sketch artist rendering of the melty men that mm-hmm. Jessa has seen? And she makes four more pictures, I think. I think it's four. Starting with looks like daddy and then goes to has a, a holes for eyes, which is upsetting. Jack picks up Holly from the bus station, introduces himself explains that Ralph asked to pick him up. They go to a diner, and Jack says he's new to the investigation and prods Holly for the information that she's going to give. And he's like, she's like, mm, I don't, nope. I don't feel comfortable. Well, she also has a bomb that. to drop on them, but she also shows herself to be really intuitive. She does. She asks if he's okay. Basically, she says, you look like you're going through hell. Mm-hmm. Like, did somebody that you love just... Right. Dump Which is you. Really interesting. And he's like, "Well, my wife filed for divorce a couple months ago, but it was the happiest day of my life." Like he right. sort of plays it off. Well, he—that's his move—is to play mm-hmm. it off when Tamika confronts him about, you know, I liked you a lot better when you were drunk, and his response is like, "So do I. I like you a lot better when I'm drunk." Yes. He, yes. He always has the quick retort. The quick to retort sort of, take, of like of like a barb. Right. Like, well, fuck you. Then. There's a sting to everything yes. that he says in response. Yeah. And what Holly is willing to say is, I'm afraid that nobody's going to believe me. Yeah. That's what she's willing to give to to him. And uh, Jack's in the bathroom. He uh, throws some water on his face and sees the word "stop her" red mm-hmm. rum style behind him on the right. door, uh, in in blood. And then they go to the meeting at Howie's office, and um, Alec points out all the... Uh, well, Holly's not there yet, so it's all the dudes, all the, mm-hmm. the guys working on the case, right? Pointing out the evidence, pointing to Terry. Jeannie notes that Terry was in another city. Jack and Holly arrive, and when Holly comes in, she basically just lays it out. She doesn't have a PowerPoint presentation, but she has a PowerPoint presentation. You know what I'm saying? Right. So she's like, the evidence for Terry killing this child. And there's the DNA, video. I uh, really love how it's laid out. Because she's, her performance goes from, here's the idea, and I'm trying to get you guys to slide into this like a warm bath. Yeah, or a hot bath, and yeah. you're just <laughs> and she keeps yes. testing how far she. Well, she with she starts with okay yeah. the the evidence that Terry killed this killed Frankie Peterson uh-huh. DNA evidence video evidence eyewitness evidence right. the the evidence that he or you know what we have um, that he didn't do it DNA evidence eyewitness evidence right. video evidence. Two people cannot be, and she keeps saying this, two human beings, that's what she says, right. over and over again, two human, or one hu- a human being cannot be in two places at, the same, at the same time. She keeps saying that. She says it over and over again. And then she talks about 27 days before this happened, these two people crossed. Right. 24 days before that happened, these two people crossed paths. Uh, I, and then she says, I think all three supposed killers were the victims. 
and all were selected. And for lack of a better term, she refers to this killer as El Cuco, a real entity that kills and eats children. Eunice is like, uh, I know about El Cuco. Like, mm-hmm. I am familiar with that, and I don't like it. He crosses himself. Yes, like, crosses himself, right. Like, oh no, I didn't expect that to be coming up. But. And then Howie tells Glory that she doesn't have to listen to this garbage. And Glory's like, let me hear the rest. And Jack is like, let hear her out. Like, she's clearly right. got, like, laid this all out. Uh, Holly says that whatever the presence is, it's evil and it's real. And the key to stopping the next murder is not who Maria talked to, then who they talked to, and who they talked to. We don't need to go back. We need to go forward. That's right. the only way this we, is going to stop. All we're going to find out going into the past is what had happened. And that's what Holly's already done. She's reconstructed as far as the last Th- the three, three victims. Right. And and she mentions that I can go back to we Egyptian could keep go- time. We, yes, we, we could go, go back literally to Mesopotamia forever. and try to find out who how it started. it started. But that's not going to help us. Or here. we can go forward and go. Here's what we know about it. We know that it's vulnerable. It's well, not invincible. Before that, though, okay. before she gets that, she mm-hmm. says we need to see what what the what they plan to do next. Right. At which point, Glory stands up and loses. Her goddamn mind. She's just like, are you fucking insane? Right. Your plan, what you've been doing this whole time to exonerate my husband is to figure out the boogeyman's next move? Are you... uh, Fuck you. Fuck all of you. And she storms out. Like, she's pissed. And Howard goes after her. Ralph and Eunice... And then that's when it sort of splits. Right? And then they come back a little bit. It, Holly does say, you know, there's a sense that this is vulner- a, right. there's vulnerability here. If um, it wasn't vulnerable, it would not need human assistance. Yes. It would not need, um, or and it would not be trying to warn us away. What, right. That's because a big it really has it. nothing to lose. Right. Really, if it's indestructible, it has nothing to lose. It just does what it pleases. It does what it pleases. And but it doesn't give a fuck what we right. do. Because it's not going to matter. Right. But the fact that it's trying to get us to stop following means that there's a a pragmatic reason. So Ralph and Eunice leave together next. Eunice thinks that um, Claude would be the next target, Alcoco's next target. Ralph doesn't believe anything, and he takes off. In the conference room, Holly tells Jeannie that everyone in the related families has died. She figures that Tracy was involved in the Williams sisters' murder, that he was... uh, somehow driven to help El Cuco uh-huh. when it had taken on Heath's appearance. And Jack looks at Holly's evidence and listens and then winces at renewed pain in his neck and stop her. Fucking Harry Potter style appears on the back hands. of his yeah. hands, right? Oh, but only he can see the words. Alec and Howie downstairs. Alec's like, I don't... I don't... I don't believe her, but I don't not believe her. And basically, he's like, myths and legends have always happened. And we now look and go, well, they didn't have psychology. They didn't have these understandings of of medicine principles and physics principles and, and, and these things. So they mistook humans for demons. Right. But what if now, with all of our science, we mistake demons for humans 
Um, and he got real into myths like this at one point. So he has some knowledge about how prevalent they are. They're on every continent except Antarctica because there weren't people on Antarctica. Um, uh, Howie isn't impressed and just walks off. So Howie's basically right out. Gloria's right the fuck out. Ralph is out. But Jeannie, Alec, Eunice are all... And and we know Jack right. are all open minded enough to be open minded to the possibility. Jeannie uh, gets into the car with Ralph. At which point, Ralph is like, "I should have fucking vetted her. I should have let her talk." And then he's she's like, "Shut up!" And all he's like in the back seat. Right. <laughs> and she's like, "I said she could stay with us." And and Holly's like, "I'll stay in a hotel." And fucking Ralph is like, "Wouldn't hear of it." And it was just like such a. We're in Georgia. This is a bless your heart moment. Right. Like, he just wants to yell, fuck you, but he can't because they're in Georgia and you don't do that. Uh, and then Jack also goes home. When the Andersons get home, Jeannie takes Holly to the guest room or, set, you know, shows Holly to the guest room. But before she goes, she sees the four or this, what is that? We're up to five drawings. Uh-huh. That Jeannie has done, and Marlon, Jeannie and Marlon have done. I think that was actually a good moment for her because it it shows that she's moving in the right direction, despite what um, the others think. Yeah, because so her first response like, is to go, "Why wasn't this in the why meeting? Why didn't you bring this to the meeting?" And right. Jeannie was like, "Oh, I I should have." And Jeannie explains what they are, and Holly's like, "Oh, well, this explains the time. Like, there's twenty four to twenty seven days between the killings." And she didn't know what that time was. And the time is the transformation. Right. The time is from one form into the other form. And then Jeannie talks about how she thinks they were in the house. It was in the house. And it was sitting right here. And Holly was like, did you take prints? And Ralph's response is, I looked at the indentation patterns in the carpet and it didn't seem like anybody was there. Which is a long way to say, I did not take prints. So your answer is no. <laughs> and then do you have scotch tape and pens? And she makes basically a um a UV light over mm-hmm. her cell phone and the back of the chair and the table all have, you know, goo. And he she's like, You need to take a sample of this and get this to the lab. What have they said about the goo that was found in the barn? And Ralph is like, yeah, that it's biological and also that we don't know what it is. And she's like, so what's going to happen is they're going to run so many tests, not find, not be able to figure out what it is, chalk that up to contamination and just chuck it out and right. just be glad that they're done with it. That's what's going to happen because it's not human. If it's not from this world, even though it's, Probably from this world. It's just not... Has ever read reports about the paranormal mm-hmm. UFO sightings, ghosts? Mm-hmm. There'll always be the running into the inconclusive resor- results. Thing. Yeah. And so what I appreciate about the way that she snapped at him is that she goes, that's what happens when you run into stuff you don't know. You kind of just throw it out and don't pay attention to it anymore. Yeah. But what she's looking right now are the lapses and the gaps. Yeah. In this story, because they're getting, they have a logic when you start counting them all together. 
that just running by the facts does not. Yeah. Um, then we have a couple of intimate scenes between uh, of Glory and of Jack. So Glory mm-hmm. is at home, and they're kind of intercut. Glory is at home, and she takes out some of Terry clothes, Terry's clothes, and she smells them. Mm-hmm. And then she's taking them out and putting them on a pile on the floor. And meanwhile, Jack goes back to his apartment, takes a shower, and when he comes out, his fucking... Bitch of a mom is there. Now right. she is very dead. I believe one hundred percent that this woman birthed this man, though. Right. Um. And proceeds to, for what appears to be the next twelve hours, get his ass kicked by a ghost. <laughs> like, which is funny because she flies at him like the terrifying flying squirrel. She flies right at him, and takes then him down, just lays like a gently ass whooping on this guy. Like. Yes, and we see scenes of him just being thrown around by nothing. We see uh, scenes of him being beaten by the his mother, right. and we see scenes of, uh, and then finally the next day when we see. There's blood everywhere. There are bloody handprints, like, on doors where it's clear that he was holding on and getting ripped off of them. He is... It looks like one of his orbital sockets is broken. Like, he can't even open one of his eyes. He's got a big cut on his face. He's black and blue. He starts smearing makeup on. And the, um, the blisters on his neck are angry (laughs) they are massive um and again good drip makeup job it looks disgusting but it looks perfectly natural yeah too and then um back at holly uh, back at uh ralph and Jeannie's house holly is like okay so there was no weight put on here. So what is a hologram way? Maybe it can't travel, but it can project its its image to you. So it was here, but it wasn't here. Maybe it's too weak to move, or it's too it, it can't risk exposure. Right. So then it uses these servants like Tracy. Um and Ralph goes, as as Jeannie and Holly are talking, Ralph goes to Derek's room and wonders if it was El Cuco that was telling him to let him go. Right. Not his son. Which he doesn't want to accept. Which he doesn't want to accept. And we see Ralph and Glory meet, and Ralph apologizes, um, saying, I should have known, I should have found out what she was going to say before you were there. Uh, and he's like, we're going to find the real killer. And Glory starts breaking down, like, what if... Like, we shouldn't have to work so hard to find his... If he's innocent. To prove his innocence. So what if he did this? And Ralph Which is, is like, he didn't do it. the most heartbreaking moment of the, of the show, really. Yes. Is her. She's great in that scene. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ralph is like, finally, his gut is telling him, I don't think he did it. I somebody, Something else did it. Somebody else did it. He yeah. doesn't say something else. Somebody else did it. And we're going to find out. Uh, then we see Claude at the strip club. Uh, he goes over to break a fight, and one of the men slashes him with a knife, which is wild. And then Claude starts going 
ape shit on the man when he gets pulled off by a big security dude that's like, you're on parole, you gotta stop hitting him. I'm, I'm like, well, hey, security, where the fuck were you when he got slashed by a knife by this patron? Like, are you, what the, what the fuck? But this totally looks like the kind of place where the patrons all carry knives. Mm, maybe, yeah. Uh, and Probably so he's like, too. go out and um, chill out. And so he goes to his car and then drives it away. And Eunice is like, got eyes on him because Eunice is like, are you the next one? But here's the thing that Eunice is unclear about uh-huh. or like th- that makes it a little bit weird that he's watching Claude. It's not Claude. And it won't take over Claude's life. While Claude is off doing something else. He's going to kill kids and leave yeah. Claude's DNA everywhere. But watching Claude is not getting close to El Cuco, right? Right. Because it's like in a lump in the woods, but only Jack. Ralph gets home from Glory's place, finds Holly making tea, and um, tells her it's not his decision to fire from the case, and complains that she gave a name and resume to the unexplained. And Holly warns Ralph that El Cuco, if El Cuco is trying to stop them, they wouldn't. It wouldn't be so if they weren't right, right? Like yes, we're on the right track. Why is it? Trying and to if it was invulnerable to them, and she's like, "You're the one that it would go after hardest." And she's like, "What did it say to you?" And he's like, "It wasn't him." So he. He's he has he's already got an answer, but he's denying that it's the answer, even as he's giving lip service to the fact that it's the answer. And he says, Derek said to let me go or let him go, and he didn't tell Jeannie. And uh, Holly's like, okay, and she goes to bed, and Ralph keeps saying that it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't him. It wasn't him. Uh, then. Ralph and Jeannie are in bed. Like, we see this scene, this montage of them through the night facing each other, facing away from each other, holding each other. It's a really nice little... It's like 30 seconds, but Mm -hmm. it's a a nice thing there. Uh, Holly prints out photos of Tracy's neck with all the blistering, and the next morning, Jack wakes up. He's had his... Just a shit kicked out of him for ever apparently and you just hear him say okay and Holly's getting dressed Jack calls Holly and is like I hate the way that you were treated in the meeting Um, I think I can give you something tangible out from the barn they didn't take everything and she should come see it for herself Um, Holly gets the car and goes to pick him up because she's like I don't trust other people Striving because I was almost in a bus accident on my way here. No comment that it was my fault, but whatever. Da, 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 da. And he's like, okay, well, that makes well, sense. Well, she's now coming to believe that from what she told Ralph. That they're being attacked. That they're being attacked, attacked. Psychically yes. attacked on some sort of inten- intangible level. Yes. Yeah. So she wants to drive. Mm-hmm. And so he um, gets into the car with them, or with, with Holly. And, you know, she looks at him and he's like, you should see the other guy. As they're driving, she says, can I do something for you? You'd look a lot better without the makeup. 
like it's distracting. Right. It looks like you've covered up your face with makeup. And so she grabs a pack of wipes and goes to take one out, but she like drops it in the wheel well of the passenger side of the car. And he like bends down to get it and she sees the back of his neck. The blisters. With the blisters. She says then, Oh, I forgot something at Ralph's, I wanna go get it and he's like, No, 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 we should go ahead and uh continue on to where we're going. Um, it'll be fine. And she and he like steers turns the steering wheel so that they're going down the, the road that he wants them to go down, which is creepy. Uh, and I didn't like it. And then that's where we leave it. We're on a drone shot looking down at the intersection where they're turning away from it's town and salvation. So funny <laughs> that that's a thing now, a drone shot. It is a drone shot. That's what it is. So that's the end of this episode. We are left very much on a cliffhanger that we haven't, like, the likes of which we have not been really left on previously. Because we know right now Holly is in extreme danger. And she knows that she's in extreme and danger. And she knows that she's in danger, right. Which is always nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, there are, there's the trope that you know that some, that the character's in danger right, right before, or, you know, before they know that they're in danger. I don't like when that is kept up for a long time. It's like watching horror movies and seeing the heroine put on a pair of jeans. Like, great. We've got someone who's mm. thinking. I appreciate it. Right. I, I just I remember uh, John Carpenter when he was doing Halloween, how good he was at foreground, background. Like, Jamie Lee Curtis is in the foreground. She thinks she shot Michael Myers. Then you see him pop up in the background so that she's not aware that he's creeping up behind her. And this is a moment where Holly is... Like, she intuited something's wrong with this guy from the beginning. Yes. But when she sees those identical blisters, then suddenly it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Yes. She's she's in the closest proximity that any of them have now been in, knowingly, right. to this thing. Um, and she knows that it's probably capable, he's probably capable of murder. Well, he doesn't really have... I'm not saying that he doesn't have a choice, but he he's just overcome with how... He does seem to be fighting it, but right. it does seem to... His mom kicked his ass. His mom kicked his ass. Just all night, she beat the hell out of him. Yeah. So I think he's yeah. at the point now where he has no reserves or nothing left. That's true. Yeah, um, he's probably exhausted. He doesn't have the ability that the other guy did of, like, arranging his own suicide. Uh... Although I think he was trying to get, like, the last of a family right. to go out with him. Although, if his gun wasn't loaded... Right. if his gun wasn't loaded, I don't think he actually meant it. Maybe. But did El Cuco know that his gun wasn't loaded? Or had he moved on enough that he was not as watched by that point? Because he's got Jack in his... Right. It, the timelines are overlapped, right? Yeah. So, it's got Jack and Tracy under its compulsion at the same time. Yeah. That's the element and like, so maybe it loses uh-huh. as it focuses more on one, it loses focus on the other. We don't know. Yeah, it's I, all it's, speculation. It's, it's, it's beginning to remind me of you know, like new wave French filmmaking. Is this the past? Is this the present? What am I looking at? Am I looking at something that's going on in this current timeline or whose point of view is this? Is that person reliable? So there's a little bit of that, not so much that it's distracting, you can't tell what's going on. Right. Yes. Yeah. So 
a lot happened. Uh, I have a feeling that the next episode, In the Pines, In the Pines, where the sun don't ever shines, is that how it goes? Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know that song. And then it'll be followed by Foxhead. Um, I, I have a feeling that there will be action. There will be action in the next two episodes. Uh, we've got four more episodes to go. Two more episodes of the sh- of our show. Four more episodes of The Outsider. And as I said, we will be watching In the Pines, In the Pines, and Foxhead for next week. In the meantime, do you have anything you would like to recommend? Um, this weekend was filled with a lot of movies. We watched a lot of things. And unfortunately, not all of them were... Uh, we were just talking before this about Tenet. And that's another thing that we came late to. But how I really appreciated the movie. I just wanted another draft of the script where people did things that made sense. Because I really didn't feel like the character, the lead character, knowing what was at stake, would keep trying to save this more or less complete stranger throughout the course of the film. And the same thing with one of the, the, the female lead in the story is just so focused on her particular story arc and how it ends that the entire world might end and she's focused on the one thing. So that was kind of driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did see this weekend that I kind of, that I had a, a more of an appreciation was for The Conjuring 3, uh, which we saw Is on Friday. the third one? Yeah, yeah I guess it's the third so. one. It's a, the devil made me do it. Right. And it's a terrible title. It is a terrible title. And it also... Um, I I have no idea about the historicity of the story. Yeah. And I don't care <laughs> because that's not what I'm here for. I'm not watching a documentary. Um but uh but yeah, as a story, it was well told. There are some gaps in it, like we never get back yeah. to the court defense case of the devil made me do it possession. They bring it up briefly in court, and then you... Well, it didn't work. You got five years. Right, but at the same time, we bring it up in court, and then we never address it again, and the only time we go back to court is the sentencing. Yeah. And I'm like, well, wait, I want to know the lot, the thought process of the judge, and what did they act like when they heard this, and there is... Uh, the only thing that we get to answer that is a brief clip, and I think it's Tom Snyder talking to the actual Warrens about the possession defense. But it really isn't covered in any kind of detail. Other than that, though, it's a good, creepy movie. And there's some really weird moments. There's a moment in, involving crawling through a crawl space full of rats that I think worked out better than a jump scare because I've been in a crawl space before and that's the big worry you have. That suddenly you're going to be assailed by rats on every side. Um, but there's, there's characters that get built up. There's, uh, there's some, interesting uh, set pieces and it all sort of worked together as a film so I appreciated that it's pretty good yeah it's one of those if you like the Conjuring movies you'll like this Conjuring movie it's pretty right but uh, typically what comes out of their movies is that there's some thought put behind them there's some thought with the characters there's they're generally higher quality horror movies than what you're getting with you know direct to cable did you see anything this weekend that was particularly entertaining or um, I that think, you could recommend? I think I will recommend two things. Okay, One two is, things. well, I mean, if you like Christopher Nolan movies, go ahead and watch Tenet. It's mm-hmm. an entertaining watch. Um, you won't understand it because Christopher Nolan didn't understand it, so 
you won't win this. <laughs> this it's funny because I was like, okay, I totally get this aspect. It's y'all, it's time time traveling stuff, mm-hmm. but not really. But then it is later, and you're like, well, you talked about one aspect of something like time travel, and then all of a sudden you're just straight up doing time travel and not talking about how that's possible. And I'm just like. Ah, those are different things. <laughs> like It's basically a giant turnstile. That's how you travel through time. Well, except that turnstile wasn't supposed to take you through time. It was just supposed to invert you from this moment. You're taking it too soon. So yeah. how do you go back 14 days? I have no That's idea. what they told me in the movie. <laughs> uh yeah. So it but it's a fun watch. I liked it and I didn't have a problem with any of the effects. Um, and it did win a production design uh, Academy Award. Uh, Raya and the Last Dragon is out for free now on Disney Plus. So tenant is available on HBO Max for subscribers. Raya and the Last Dragon is now available for free on Di- to Disney Plus sub- subscribers. Uh, it had been rentable previously. Um, y'all, I did not know that the dragon was a character, and it's played by Aquafina. That's not really a spoiler. You find out pretty quick, and it's a whole movie type of deal. Super cool, super fun, beautiful to look at. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Very, very beautiful. Also, no love interest. So, two thumbs up from me over here. Who doesn't need kids' movies to have romance plots in them? And the other thing I would recommend for when the kids are not at home I watched all of The Mayor of Easttown, which is also on HBO Max. So what is it about? What's the plot? It's a murder mystery. Okay. Uh, set uh, outside of... Or set in, in Pennsylvania, where they say water. <laughs> the accents are a whole thing. It's Kate Winslet as a, as a detective, and there is um, a crime... That is tearing a small town apart. <laughs> uh, it's called Mare, M-A-R-E, like a lady horse, of Easttown. Uh, please know that Kate Winslet's character's name is Marianne. She is mm-hmm. the mayor of which we are speaking. So she is the titular character. I thought that the show for the first four weeks it was on was called Mayor of Easttown. It's not. And then when I found out it was Mayor, I thought maybe there were horses involved. Y'all, it's not. It's her character's name. I just want to let you know that so that you're aware going in. Um, and Julianne Nichols, okay. Glory, from the show that we are currently watching, plays a pivotal role in that show as well. And she is excellent, as is Jean Smart. Uh, as is Guy Pierce. I'm not going to give that spoiler. <laughs> they, I got a little spoiler about the Guy Pierce character mm-hmm. from the Daily Zeitgeist, and it didn't it didn't ruin anything for me. But I'm not going to I'm not going to give the spoiler. Um, as is Evan Peters. Like it's a really good cast. Um, but yeah, gritty small town. 
uh, crime drama. Seven episodes, seven hours. So I watched four of them last night after I went to bed after we watched Tenet. So I watched them till like two in the morning and then I finished it this afternoon. So I'm tired. So overall it's very good. I enjoyed it very much. Okay. Um, it's, yes, I think it's very good. I believe it is based on a book. Is the book about horses? No, the book is about the person that I've already described. Okay. I don't know what to say to you. Oh, no, I guess it is just, or Nicholson, Julianne Nicholson. I always get her name wrong. It's just a show that was created. <laughs> so, Suburbs of, of Philadelphia, a detective named Mayor Sheehan investigates the recent murder of a teenage mother while trying to keep her own life from falling apart. Oh, there you go. Tell me everything you need to know. And where is it available? It's an HBO Max joint. So, I recommend that. Those are two things. Raya and the Last Dragon. Okay. And Mayor of East. I like Raya very much, too. That That was a really fun movie. Uh, next week, two more episodes of The Outsider. Okay. And then the following week, we're going to wrap up The Outsider. <gasps> it's coming to an end. Oh, no. Uh, until then, uh, if you have questions or comments or concerns, or if you want a second Lemuel's idea that the next thing we talk about is... Heroes. Heroes, which you just brought up, and I was like, oh, maybe that's a thing. Right. You can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at latecomerspod, or you can find us on Facebook, Latecomers Podcast, in the search bar. Until next week, I remind you, please take your medicine, and if that medicine includes a vaccine, uh, more power to you. You should take it already. And we remind you, better, better late, late than, than never. never.